Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. You're listening to a special 2022 midterm elections episode of Colorado Edition. Welcome back. I'm investigative reporter Scott Franz. It's Friday, October 21st, and Colorado is busy deciding who will lead the state as governor. University of Colorado Regent Heidi Ganahl is challenging incumbent Jared Polis. I spoke with both of them about their plans for everything from improving the air we breathe to boosting the state's economy. But before we hear from them, let's talk about some of the issues voters will be deciding on Election Day. Ballots for the November election are hitting mailboxes this week, and there's lots at stake. Coloradans are deciding who will represent them in Congress and at the State House. There are also 11 statewide questions that could affect everything from how much people pay in taxes to where they can buy wine. To unpack some of the more complex ballot issues, I spoke with KUNC Morning Edition host Nicole Robinson Carroll earlier this week. So let's start with one of the most controversial topics on the ballot. There are three questions all related to alcohol. So what would they do? I'll start with the one that is generating the most debate. Uh, And that's this effort to let liquor store owners open an unlimited number of locations. Uh, Right now, they're limited to just three under state law. And this is a question that's generating some of the most spending in the entire election. This is also pitting small liquor shops against bigger ones. I talked to Matt Dinsmore. He owns a specialty liquor store in Fort Collins. He told me that allowing the bigger chains to open unlimited number of locations could eventually put him out of business. They basically come in predatory price and drive everybody out of business, and then there is no competition. On the other hand, there are other shops who say they need this change to level the playing field when grocery stores get the green light to sell liquor themselves in the coming years. And so the other two questions deal with how we can buy alcohol. So tell us more about those. Right. Well, one would allow grocery stores to start selling wine. This is something other states already allow. But liquor store owners here oppose this because they think it will hurt their business. Uh, The final question would allow companies like DoorDash and Instacart to start delivering booze directly to people's houses. All right. Several of the other questions deal with taxes. Proposition 121 would lower the income tax rate for the second time in three years. And a lot of voters are probably wondering what this would mean for them. Yeah, in a, in a nutshell, it, not too much unless you make more than three hundred grand a year. The nonpartisan research arm at the state capitol um, tells us that three-quarters of residents here would see less than $63 in savings each year from it. That seems like such a small savings for most people. So how did this even end up on the ballot? Conservative groups point to uh, record growth in state government. And, and feel like, you know, even this amount of relief actually has a big impact. From vices to taxes to back to vices, we are getting national attention in Colorado for a question about mushrooms. What can you tell us about that? This is a ballot question that aims to legalize psilocybin. Most people probably have heard it called by magic mushrooms. It's the hallucinogenic part of these mushrooms. And, you know, there's a growing campaign to use this as a treatment for depression, anxiety. Uh, So what this would do is it would make it legal to cultivate these, 
um, but also use them in a supervised clinical setting. And again, this is just for adults. Colorado wouldn't be the first state to do this. Oregon did that in 2020. So, you know, opponents of this question whether this is necessary. They also question, you know, how effective psilocybin and and these other psychoactive substances um, are at treating um, depression and anxiety. So that that's probably the biggest debate there. And so you've been talking to people basically statewide about all these issues all summer long. Which one do you think could be the most impactful for Coloradans? This question aiming to provide free lunches at school uh, might be the most personal and impactful one. You know, this is a, a program that started during the pandemic um, to help help children whose families, you know, couldn't couldn't afford to to provide them a healthy meal um, at their school for lunch. And, you know, supporters of this ballot measure say that with inflation and and all the rising costs we're seeing, any family in the school district might need this help. But still, not everyone is on board with this. There are opponents who say that schools, you know, they have a lot of pressing issues that, that need money as well, like keeping class sizes small and boosting teacher pay. And, you know, they argue you know, is it the government's place to be providing, you know, lunches at at school and, and, and paying for those? KUNC Scott Franz will continue covering these issues for us through Election Day and in the days after. You can find all our election coverage at KUNC.org. Thanks so much for being with us, Scott. My pleasure. There are several more ballot issues this November, but let's move on to one of the most heated races on the ballot. Republican Heidi Ganahl is hoping to replace incumbent Jared Polis in the governor's mansion. She says Polis is not doing enough to move the state forward. I talked to her about what she would do differently. Hello, Heidi. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Of course. Before we get into policy, I'd like to talk to you about your time on the campaign trail. What have you learned out there crisscrossing our state? Yeah, I've had an incredible time. I've visited all 64 counties almost twice now and been out on the campaign trail for about a year, a little over a year, and then been a regent for six years. So I've been on the trail for quite a while. And in the last year or two, people have really become anxious and upset and worried about the state's direction. And some issues that I didn't necessarily have on my forefront that are really important to people. I mean, they're important, but I didn't realize they would be the number one or two things I'm hearing about are mental health and then drugs, especially related to fentanyl. Um, Those issues are something I hear all over the state, not just in Denver, but everywhere. You've said out on the campaign trail your family is personally affected by the state's housing crisis, with your daughter unable to find a place to rent affordably. You've also vowed to incentivize other than subsidize new affordable housing developments. How do you plan to do that? Yeah, my daughter's 27, and she's just getting out into life, starting her um, career, and it's very, very expensive right now to find a place to live, to pay for gas, to pay for heating bills, groceries, etc. So, you know, we're in a position where we can help her out, we can have her stay with us, but a lot of young people don't have that opportunity, as well as our senior citizens are really suffering right now. And we have one of the highest, we have the highest inflation rate in the country of 15.6% here in Colorado. So what we can do on that front is provide um, a little bit more innovative approach to housing, figure out if there's ways to do community housing or, you know, redevelop old malls, look at old retail centers, um, 
look, take a fresh perspective on zoning and is is the old zoning law of 10 to 15 years ago still appropriate for how we're dealing with housing now? And then look at other places around the country or the world where they're doing things in an innovative new way that we can bring to Colorado. I live actually in Lone Tree and Lone Tree is doing some very cool things to address housing shortages and the cost of living that I think Mayor Millette um, should be awarded, uh, applauded for. So I think finding those bright lights, bright spots and applying them, trying them out, piloting them is the best way to do it. And then looking at how we can be innovative and um, relax some of the the over-the-top regulations we're facing. A fourth of the cost of new building for residential in Colorado is regulatory right now. You know, many communities around Colorado are still rebuilding after devastating wildfires. In Boulder County, for example, officials are taking steps to require fire-resistant building materials and new home construction. Do you support a statewide policy changing building codes in wildfire-prone communities to lessen the risk of property damage. Actually, I used to live in Superior in Rock Creek, so I have many friends that lost their homes and are dealing with rebuilding. It's been onerous for them. Um, I get the good intentions of going all in on green building codes, but that has dramatically risen the price to rebuild, and it's made it unaffordable for a lot of people, and the insurance companies aren't necessarily... Um, kicking in the amount of money they need. So first and foremost, we have to have compassion for those that lost their homes in the fire and help them rebuild however we can, as quickly as we can. It's taking a ridiculous amount of time to get through all the red tape. And also there's a lack and shortage of contractors, right? It's hard to find people right now that can actually do the work. So there are a lot of people really frustrated with how that played out. As far as a statewide building code, I, I believe in local control, and I'll, I'll support as much as I can doing that through local municipalities. Um, but I also think there were opportunities where the governor or state leaders could have acted, like relieving the use tax um, on the folks rebuilding. They didn't do that. Governor Pulse decided not to do that. There are things like that that he could have done to ease the burden, which I would have done. Part of your wildfire prevention plan says the state should more aggressively manage forests. What does that look like? Well, I think the important thing is to listen to the experts, right? And the experts are saying, we're not doing a good job right now. And part of the reason our fires are so catastrophic is because we're not cleaning out our forests, which a fourth of our standing trees are dead right now. That bodes towards big, expensive, catastrophic fires. So we can be respectful of the environment, and we all want clean land, clean air, clean water. Um, But we've got to take a very aggressive approach to cleaning out our forests and making sure that um, we have prescribed burns where we need them and that fire officials have the resources they need to do the job so that we don't have to be reactive to it. You also say you want to cut the size of the state government by 10% per year, starting in your first term. What government programs would you cut first to achieve that goal? I don't believe we have to cut programs necessarily. I believe we could put a hiring freeze in place and address vacancy funds. We can move people to positions that will make a bigger impact on making it easier to live, raise a family, and work here. Um, We can also reduce fraud and waste. Even if that's 5 or 10%, that's a lot of money. Um, My plan to roll back the size of the bureaucracy in this state is about 10% a year in my first term. And Jared Polis has grown it by about 25% in the last three or four years. So when people ask, what am I going to do as governor? I say I'm going to undo a lot of things. And then make sure that the money we are spending is spent on things that actually move the needle and make a difference for people. But we've also been inundated with regulations, red tape, taxes, fees, 
um, little here and there that make a big difference on people's pocketbooks. So the most important thing I can do is put more money back into the people of pocket people of Colorado's pockets, and then reduce regulations and red tape on small business owners. I'm hearing that a lot. You also have a transportation plan to spend $10 billion on things like highway expansions and other road projects. And you say you want to raise that money by asking voters next year to replace these new fees on deliveries and ride shares with a tax. But voters have shown time and time again here that they don't like paying new taxes for transportation. How would Governor Ganahl navigate that challenge and get that money? What I would do is take 260, that big transportation bill that the legislature put through, without going to the voters, which is their right. Um, But there are a lot of fees and monies that are being spent that are not fixing the roads. They're for other projects, other approaches to, um, you know, environmental issues. And I think what people really want is transparency, and they want the darn money spent on actually fixing the roads. So what we did is we took that bill, we worked with transportation experts to figure out what specific projects around the state would be beneficial. And we encouraged um, rural Colorado, um, fixing the roads in rural Colorado, which a lot of that has been reduced under 260 and the current CDOT plan. And so we would take that back to the people of Colorado. We'd say it's a sunsetted plan. It's already the taxes and fees that have been put in place. We'd bring in some private dollars. And then we'd have the general, um, the legislature match some as well. So over 10 years, you've got $10 billion specific projects that will be addressed. No wiggle room for, you know, moving in other dollars or changing the way that's done. And then the voters can hold us accountable to getting those projects done. That was Republican Heidi Ganahl. Governor Polis has been busy crisscrossing the state as well, touting his record over the last four years, namely his administration's delivery of free full-day kindergarten. Polis has also been leading the state through the coronavirus pandemic. I talked to him about his vision for a second term while he was campaigning in Yuma County. Governor Polis, thanks so much for taking the time today. A pleasure. Governor, you say climate is on the ballot this November. Talk to me about how you'd address climate change in a second term and how your strategy differs from your opponents. Well, we have a very bold climate action plan, uh, including uh, having locked in 80% renewable energy by 2030 with a goal of 100% renewable energy uh, by 2040. Um, My opponent's climate answer is to do more drilling in Colorado. I don't think you could drill your way out of an air quality and climate crisis. We need to make sure we invest in low-cost green energy and uh, can really achieve energy independence in Colorado with cleaner air and leading the way on climate. Colorado's air quality continues to make headlines and not in a good way. People on the front range especially are dealing with constant poor air quality alerts. You've signed into law free public transit days and incentives for electric bikes. You've also established goals to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. But is Colorado doing enough? Well, I'm very data-driven, so we're going to be looking through the results of the free transit summer and really learning uh, whether that is a good investment going forward. Uh, We look forward to continuing investing in making uh, electric vehicles, e-bikes more affordable for Colorado families who choose to commute that way. And, of course, also make sure that there's more housing that people can afford to buy or to rent close to where jobs are. Um, So people spend less time getting to and from work and can enjoy the great quality of life that Colorado has. 
Wildfires continue to change lives in Colorado, and experts say the threat exists year-round now because of climate change. You've talked a lot about the things like a new firefighting helicopter, but do you think we need any systemic changes here, like creating a more resilient statewide building code in the areas that are more prone to fires? We've really upped the bar on fire response uh, in Colorado, including Firehawk helicopter, but also uh, leasing capacity around tankers, uh, using some of the new technology, both satellite and ground video based for early detection and interdiction, uh, more resources. But also, we've really focused on fire prevention and building defense perimeters. I've been out with work crews through the Colorado Conservation Corps, Youth Services Corps, uh, building defense perimeters, taking down trees, taking down fuel in and around communities, in and around homes. Uh, and that's the kind of investment we need to make to help make sure that uh, wildfires don't uh, cause additional damage in communities where people live. The latest economic forecast from the Leeds School of Business says business leaders aren't very optimistic about the economy in the coming months. They're facing inflation impacts and other headwinds. If you are still governor come January, what's your plan to address this economic uneasiness? Whatever happens in the national and global economy, uh, Colorado is uh, better situated than almost any other state. We have record reserve levels, a record rainy day fund uh, with our balanced budget that we've delivered more than twice the level of reserves than when I took office. Uh, we are ready with a strong and diverse employment base, a lot of uh, economic growth across the state. We've been successful in recruiting a number of companies with good jobs here in Colorado, uh, and we'll be ready for whatever economic wins come our way to make sure that just as Colorado led uh, the recovery from the pandemic and we have more people employed today than before the pandemic, we'll also lead the, the nation's recovery and whatever lies ahead. Your first term was filled with historic challenges that no other governor has had to face in decades. From the record wildfires to the coronavirus pandemic, what have you learned leading the state through those experiences that you would bring to a second term? So we've had the three largest wildfires in the history of our state, the most destructive wildfire in the history of our state, a global pandemic, and I'm proud that Colorado came through with the eighth lowest death rate of any state and one of the fastest economic recoveries, less days out of school for kids, really shows the leadership matters. I always put data and science first, fully transparent about decision-making process. Uh, and the people of Colorado can have confidence that I'm going to stay up late at night uh, gathering all the information I can to make the very best decision for Colorado. You say you have a goal to make Colorado one of the top 10 safest states in the country. Do you have any evidence we're making progress toward that goal? And what policies would you pursue this coming legislative session to help get there? Look, uh, Colorado is the 26th safest state of state. That's not good enough. We want to be in the top 10 because people deserve to be safe in our communities. Uh, and we have a three-pronged uh, plan to do that. Number one, invest in more and better policing, supporting our law enforcement. We took the first steps to that, working with Republicans and Democrats in the state legislature. We're getting funds out now to local law enforcement and police to recruit and re retain law enforcement professionals. Number two, uh, tougher sentencing, especially in areas like auto theft uh, and uh, those who are trafficking fentanyl. I signed a bill with harsher criminal penalties for fentanyl dealers. We're one of the first states in the country to create a new felony for pill presses, people that are putting fentanyl in with other drugs that are being marketed. Uh, and third, and probably most important, crime prevention. The best way to prevent crime is before it occurs in the first place. That means successful behavioral health interventions, working with people in need before they commit crime, youth diversion programs, 
reducing recidivism so people, when they get out of jail and serve their term, are less likely to recommit a crime. So it's a comprehensive strategy. We've already completed the first step with our bipartisan public safety package, which I just signed into law a few months ago. You know, every election brings the chance of power dynamics changing at the Capitol. Republicans, for example, are hoping to flip the state Senate. If that happens, what issues do you see the most opportunity to work with Republicans on? Look, whoever the people elect to the legislature, the issues remain the same. Housing costs a lot of money, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat in Colorado, and we need to do something about it. If you're a parent with your 26-year-old living in your basement because they can't afford a down payment or move out, doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, you want to make sure your elected officials solve that. 93% of the bills that I signed were bipartisan. Uh, I fully expect to continue to get good ideas from the left, from the right, from Republicans, from Democrats, to move Colorado forward, because I'll always do what's right for Colorado. What do you think is the biggest piece of unfinished business that you would want to address in a second term? You know, I think the biggest thing for the state is housing costs. That uh, You know, the, the default is it's going to get more and more difficult, especially with rising interest rates, mortgage rates. Um, we need to confront that head on and make sure that there is more access to housing that people can afford, both to purchase and uh, to rent, close to where jobs are. Right, So lower commute times, less traffic on our roads, cleaner air, more convenience for people. Uh, and we need to really address housing as the inner jurisdictional issue it is. It affects all of our quality of life no matter where you live. Uh, and, and we need to make Colorado more affordable. And we're going to tackle that in my next term if I have the honor to serve for another four years. Governor Polis, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Take care. And that was Governor Jared Polis. Thanks for listening to a special 2022 midterm elections episode. Join us for another special episode next week, hosted by my colleague Lucas Brady-Woods. You don't want to miss that. Make sure to subscribe to the Colorado Edition podcast on your favorite podcast app. Our theme music is composed by Colorado musicians Brianna Harris and Johnny Burroughs. Other music in the show by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Scott Franz. Have a great weekend.